This is Strong Style. This is the ITC. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the Pro Wrestling Edition as we hit you with the big boot and drop that leg, brother, with another WBF-approved dose of the performance-enhancing audio. The man with the plan, the Brian Campbell. In fact, the voice that you hear. Back to remind you just how important the ITC is to your weekly wrestling routine. This show will inform you. This will entertain you. This will protect you. This will love you. This will guide you. And this will make you the god of wrestling. You will not hear the sultry sounds of the well-dressed and handsome Nick Costos this week, but a reminder that just like Brock Lesnar and maybe John Cena, he will conveniently be back for WrestleMania season But not to worry, if you're still looking for that handsome Nick fix from the most passionate man in North America, let me remind you once more to check him out evenings on CBS Sports HQ, including his own show at 5 p.m. Eastern and later running down highlights at 10 each and every weeknight. And if you have yet to check out CBS Sports HQ for all your scores, news, and highlight needs, now would be that time. It's that brand new 24-7 streaming channel covering the biggest games, best plays, and crucial insights from the world of sports. Stream it free Anytime on the CBS Sports app for Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire, your phone, tablet, connected devices. We got you covered or watch it online at CBSSportsHQ.com. One more reminder to do us that solid. And if you like what you hear on today's show, if you see something, say something. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate, review. You know our MO here, right? We want that five-star review. We want to become the number one podcast at CBS Sports. Because I'm the baddest mama jamma in this company, brother. Yeah, or any company. All right, we're bringing it. But with me, as always, to to help bring it and help make that magic happen. Oh, yeah. He's the judge who's no longer Russian or crooked, better known to you as the Silver King. Adam Silverstein. Hey, now. And I'll tell you, that theme, like, I I always liked it, but it's way cooler being introduced by the Razor Ramon theme than it is just hearing it on the computer on YouTube, you know? That's solid. I like it. I like it. I like it. It's a, it's a, it's a new and improved Silverstein. All right. Out from the shadows uh, of the, uh, of the crooked drudge, crooked judge gimmick. You're like Kane coming out of uh, the Isaac Yankum fog and out of the uh, fake diesel and right back into, into the role you were destined to play. Right. It's, it's like I entered the lake of reincarnation and I, came back <laughs> a new man. I can't I will say, you, sorry, go ahead. Because. I was going to say, I can't wait till you're 50 years old showing up on the show and everybody's, you know, yelling at you to get away, you know, and then maybe you can run <laughs> for mayor, but right now you're in your prime. So this is good. I will say, BC, there was a little bit of a tease in your opener today about a potential future interview we might have here on the ITC. And when that person joins us, which we're hoping to book very, very soon, maybe we can get him to record a special drop for us. This is Strong Style. This is in this corner. Oh, wow. Getting me fired up there. Is that a little, little Mo Ranallo shout out? Shout out or are you trying to tell me we got half of the Golden Lovers coming to this podcast? Either way, it'll be a slam dunk interview. We'll see what the future brings. But Silver King, I got to stop the presses and say, I admit I'm shocked by how many people came to your aid on Twitter in the aftermath of the great Brock Lesnar debate or the uh, Silver King pipe bomb. I, mean, I don't even know what we should call it. You want this? Come on. Lay the pipe bomb on me, big guy. Come on. Go ahead. Yeah, well, the, the big guy brought it, and after this Brock Lesnar debate, where you basically said, F the beast, wow, our listeners really hate Brock Lesnar, and our wrist listeners really seem to want 
the idea of an In This Corner with Adam Silverstein episode. So kudos to you from getting some babyface cheers. Mazel! That's fantastic news! Uh, look at you, look at you. I wasn't so surprised that people agree with Brock Lesnar, but I loved the In This Corner with Adam Silverstein photoshops. Like, we got two of them. And I was like, all right, like, here we go. There's, there's some momentum here. Now all we need is WWE to sign with USA Network to make that a reality for 24 oh, hours. Man. Don't make me go to the bullpen and bring in Costos to teach you and the listeners why that's a wrong take. But we'll, we'll, we'll get more into Lesnar as this show goes on for sure. We definitely will, BC. And that leads us in to a special main event. This is the main event. And why is it special, folks? It's special for two reasons. One. SmackDown was so terrible that we decided to just get it away from the main event picture of this particular edition of In This Corner. We will talk about SmackDown and the lead up to Fastlane a little bit later on. But we're going to start with the Raw brand and its entire build to WrestleMania 34, which I would say got kicked off with a bang on Monday, except it really didn't. To me, BC, and maybe we can start here by talking about it as a whole. I thought the road to WrestleMania, the car Raw was driving, got stuck in neutral on the turnpike. Yeah, it hit a detour, speed bump, you know, got off the wrong exit. However, you want to, you know, leave that there on the uh, the ultimate thrill ride, the the road to WrestleMania. All the uh, sort of comparisons and uh, uh, gratuitous uh, left untold there. But uh, it, it wasn't where we wanted it to be this week. And I want this again. I want the road to WrestleMania on the show be positive, right? And this week wasn't awful, but it was just... Again, another car reference stuck in neutral. And that's was sort of my problem that you can't do that in March. And again, I'm not going to ruin the main event by talking about SmackDown because to be really honest with you, it was Monday afternoon of this week before I even realized that this was the week of Fastlane, that we were getting into a go-home week. And by watching SmackDown on Tuesday, you actually wouldn't know it was a go-home episode of SmackDown. Hey, oh, so that's just that. But Raw, a little bit of good and bad. It didn't really light that fire. I felt like it was more of a connect the dots from A to B couple little reveals, but Adam, it didn't really give me that, man, it's March, it's time, I'm pumped up, let's do this. And I wonder if it's a little bit like, I mean, they already know what they're going to do. Is it more like things are a little bit stagnant and stale, we can't wait for the draft after Mania, you know, there's only so many reveals and how juicy this storyline's going to be, so let's see if we can stretch this out a little bit more one more week. See, I don't really think that's that's fair as an excuse for a couple reasons. There's so many storylines going on raw, right? You don't have to have all of them develop every single week. They could have just developed, you know, Banks and Bailey or Oscar and Bliss. And to give them credit, and we will talk about it, that they did develop Oscar and Bliss um, and, and Nia Jax, I'm sorry, all three of them. But it's not enough. You can't just have one full episode of teases, have something develop, reach a climax, and then that holds us over until the next week. But instead of that, WWE just gave us a lot of waiting around on Monday night, and for people who listen to this show who think sometimes we're too negative, we complain too much, whatever, we've been raising the banner for Monday Night Raw and the Red Brand for the last six to eight weeks. So we are allowed to come back and say, look, it wasn't very good Monday night. No, I mean, there's a lot of teasing of the bag. But when you tease the bag, you normally get the mess. We didn't really get that. We got the wrong kind of mess. But again, not awful, pretty much in neutral. And I think the, the biggest story, of course, was Ronda Rousey having the announcement officially of what her WrestleMania match would be. And there was also that announcement that came earlier that day, Adam, that she would be on every Raw from now until Mania. And first of all, kudos for that announcement. That's a success because... 
we need that. We don't need what we got this week, which was an absent Brock Lesnar again, which again affects the overall storyline and whether you can connect. Now, that doesn't mean I love the Rousey segment, but shout out to WWE for saying she's full time now. Let's insert her. Let's get the fans to care about the storyline. I did think this week, though, just like the show overall and the road to WrestleMania, the Rousey storyline, it did take a step back. A lot of people hated it. I also saw a lot of people that liked it. It it really, I think, again, goes back to my point last week of your expectations, of what you expect out of Ronda and the storyline, whether you think it's more of a celebrity thing or you're saying, no, she's a full-time wrestler. I expect this from her right now. I think what I got overall, Adam, the problem was she wasn't good on the mic again. And they didn't really set her up to succeed, right? They're still pushing her as like golden baby face. And it's something that she's not doing well. And I think the unfortunate byproduct for me, and I want to see if you agree, was I felt the three stars around her, Triple H, Steph, Kurt Angle, overacted as sort of compensation. And it created a, a, a segment that, you know, decently well written, especially the idea of how Ronda was going to get to that match. But I thought executed in a very vanilla way that didn't connect with me emotionally. Yeah, I thought Kurt Angle actually carried the segment and did maybe his best job. He did a great job at Elimination Chamber, but, you know, over the last couple of months, Angle's been wishy-washy in terms of his mic work and his ability to deliver everything WWE's asking him to do. So along with that Elimination Chamber interjection, I thought his promo on Monday night really, really sold the match. And he did a good job booking it and kind of going through the motions. I just thought it was clunky. Um, They had her reach out of the ring to grab Stephanie. She should have just attacked her right off the bat. Um, You know, with Triple H, like the the stuff between Triple H and Angle, like Angle is not really looking fluid in the ring and Triple H is obviously rusty. So it's just tough to see that action already happen versus just a couple of hits, uh, maybe a quick ankle lock. He runs out of the ring, save the action. I don't need the ankle lock in on Triple H for four minutes. Or like the just, overselling. The overselling after And the overselling. Yeah, exactly. I so, want to say some good, though. And some good, Adam, was this. The the Of how we got to the reveal of Ronda was good. Uh, unfortunately, she, she was brutal in how she delivered it. In fact, I think she jumped the gun on that drum roll. And it was pretty brutal how she said that. But I also like... Uh, sort of, like you said, Angle was a plus. I like some of the way it was set up. It just... You know, again, it didn't make me excited where I was more willing to forgive in the last couple of weeks. So it goes back literally to what I said last week, because I praised Ronda Rousey last week and WWE and their handling of her. It's very simple. Don't have her smile and be goody two shoes and be excited. I mean, it's OK for her to slap hands with fans and cheer with them, you know, et cetera. But she needs to be the badass. She doesn't need to deliver promos. She needs to deliver two lines. I'm going to rip your arm out of its socket <laughs> and something else. I'm going to kick your head in, right? That's all she needs to say. Let Angle do the heavy lifting. Look, people are giving her crap for her promos, and deservedly so. They're not very good, the ones that have been kind of babyface that she's had to talk for an extended period of time. But, folks, forget. Someone like Alexa Bliss, Charlotte Flair, Sasha Banks, they do hundreds of promos, hundreds of promo classes that you never see. Ronda Rousey stepped off a movie set into WWE, and you're expecting her to deliver the same as established WWE wrestlers. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Just like you're going to see her do moves you know, in the ring, and she got her arm caught under that Samoan drop, which she said was a judo move. It was a Samoan drop, whatever. Um, but she's not going to deliver perfect moves because she's still learning. But guess what? In 12 months, after she's delivered 50 promos and been in 14 matches, 
she's going to be really awesome. I mean, that's that's the catch-22 of this modern era. There's no territory system in an era where people don't have cell phone cameras where they can send her to Kansas, right, and go work and get ready. Like, you just can't do it. There's no, uh, you know, FCW in Tampa in a warehouse with two people in the crowd. So she, it's feast her. You know, she's got to put her feet in the fire in WrestleMania. Like, again, I think long-term she'll be fine. This week was not good, but I did want to highlight some of the positives, and the positive was that they connected the dots of the storyline back to Survivor Series with Triple H and, and, and Kurt. And that was a good thing, you know, overall. Uh, I hope they have something juicy for next week, Adam, because if if it's two weeks in a row that me attempting to be ultra-positive, let's not focus on the never, let's give Ronda a chance, you know, hashtag let's, let's be there for Ronda. I'm not, it's going to be hard to be there if it's bad two weeks in a row, but again, three-fourths of this equation are proven contributors on the WrestleMania level. Let's see what we got next week. So I'm going to bring up something else, and we definitely did not talk about this before. So for me, presentation matters in WWE. You know that. That's something I talk about on this podcast all the time. We discuss it with the promos on SmackDown and the stupid words on the screen and, and entrance themes. I hate when they get changed, you know, for no good reason, etc. I don't think the Bad Reputation song works as Ronda Rousey's entrance theme in WWE. When you oh, look at no. you, you want something. I love the song. I like that it fits her. But you want something that comes when you hear Brock Lesnar's music. Oh my God, Brock Lesnar's coming. When you heard the crash, oh my God, that's Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, oh, you didn't know? New Age Outlaws are here. Bad reputa- reputation, it's a rock song. And it's not even cult of personality like CM Punk, where it had they had an intro behind it and it just really worked as a wrestling entrance theme. I think legitimately Ronda Rousey needs a new theme song so that when she walks through that curtain, you're like, holy crap, here's Ronda Rousey unless she's going to charge to the ring every single time like she did two weeks right, ago. That's an interesting take. I think it's both smart and wrong in different areas. I wanted to jump at you first and be like, no, there's synergy there. Like when CM Punk walked to the Octagon to call it personality, it was like, yes, there's synergy there. I, I was kind of pop, I've kind of popped for her, you know, UFC song coming in WWE. But you're right on the idea that it doesn't announce her. And you're also right that, that what you didn't say, but I think you meant was that, okay, the song is, uh, you know, about bad reputation, which when she walked to the weigh-ins at UFC, which was a big part of how she made her name, right? She'd come in there so angry with that scowl, and she carried that the next night into the into the fights. And when she'd walk the aisle of the octagon, she had that angry heel scowl, which she says she stole from wrestling, right? Now we're presenting her as the all-American babyface, and really they made a point to have her walk around the ring, kiss babies, high-five everybody. So I, I think you're actually right. In this sense, it's not working in that regard. But, hey, let's let's give it time. All right, she, Polly she Positivity be, Campbell says let's give it time. She can be a face and be a badass. That's what she needs to be. She has to take elements of Roddy, you know, Roddy Piper, elements of Steve Austin, and be that badass face. And I'm even okay with her smiling and, and going around the ring, but – if she's going to the ring and she's angry, she has to act that way like she did two weeks ago. That was the perfect example of Ronda Rousey two weeks ago. And this week, like we said, was a step back. Oh, wait, well, I got one. Fi- I got to detour you one final thing. They're pushing Steph. Steph is a big part of this, right? Steph is, I mean, is. really the yeah. opponent is Steph. Triple H and Kurt Angle are sort of going to support the match. The opponent is Steph. I'm a, even though Steph's the best heel in the company, and that's a good argument to make, and I think at times it's true. I don't want them to just reinvent the McMahon Austin wheel, the Vince Austin wheel with her lazily. Like say, well, we'll just do the female version of it. Let's have a little bit something different as we keep maturing and evolving this. I, I agree, but it really does seem like that's the direction they're going in. And I will say the difference between 
Vince and Stephanie, if they're going to, first of all, there's two major differences, which is the experience level and quality of Stone Cold Steve Austin and Mike work of Stone Cold Steve Austin and Ronda Rousey, who is a legitimate badass, but doesn't have the ability to carry a promo head to head with Stephanie. That's number one. And then on the other end, let's say Ronda's amazing in the ring, which I kind of think she's going to be eventually, right? Steph is not going to be anywhere near as good of selling and working in the ring as Vince was. You have to remember, Vince like grew up in the business, obviously, and she has too. But Vince was in a ton of matches, and he trained a ton. I don't think Stephanie, mother of two or three, whatever she is now, is going to be doing that um, and working many matches with Ronda. So if they want to do Austin McMahon with Ronda McMahon, they better have some other things, like you said, in there. And they need to give Ronda a mouthpiece, whether that's Paul Heyman or someone else. Or, or, or just the muscle piece of Shayna Baszler. And I wonder, by the way, Ronda Rousey's husband, UFC heavyweight Travis Brown, who has sort of worked his way out of the promotion. I don't know if he got cut, but he did lose like four in a row. We haven't seen him in a while. He's reportedly been in the performance center a little bit. He's six foot seven with tattoos and has a decent look. I wonder down the road if there's anything going on with there. Obviously, that's a long way ahead probably before we ever see him, but it's something to think about. That would be interesting. But I did mention Paul Heyman, so let's kind of move on to that segment that closed Raw on Monday night, the Heyman Reigns promo. Um, look, I'll start off here. I thought it was, as usual, Paul Heyman, superb delivery. Like, you, you'll never get me to say Paul Heyman did not give his all, right, in dropping a promo. But, look, we've praised him endlessly here on, on the podcast and in interviews. We met him in person. I praised him to his face. The content of that promo was horrible. I thought it was disjointed. It didn't make any sense. Um, he stopped in the middle. And then I think he realized he had to, like, fill more time and continued going. Outside of a couple lines, BC, I think you have one of them on audio. Like, it just wasn't good to me. Yeah, and it's it, it, again, it's really hard to come out and try to criticize a Paul Heyman promo for what you said. The delivery is so good. But it was so, to use a Silverstein phrase, convoluted that if you read my recap and, and talking to you, Adam, I was almost starting to give him too much credit. And I'm picking out, like, when he's mentioning Afa and Sika, and when he's mentioning that Roman Reigns can't go visit his dad in the hospital if he's the universal champion, does that mean that Brock's going to put hands on the old wild Samoans? That got me fired up like they're going to, because I always say that. If you want me to care about a feud, get me to care, not just wrestler A walked in on wrestler B's match, right? Somebody putting hands on a Hall of Fame legend gets me to care, but you kind of sobered me up and said, no, I just think they screwed up. That was just a bad promo. But look, some highs and lows, we did get this. You know, last week, Roman Reigns came out here and he called Brock Lesnar a bitch. This is Brock Lesnar's bitch. She belongs to Brock Lesnar. And Roman Reigns, you are eyeballing Brock Lesnar's bitch, and you can't have her. <laughs> no, it's over, King. I want to stop you. I want to make three quick points here. Number one, how dare uh, Paul Heyman talk about Sable like that, right? No, no, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Number two, when he was talking about Reigns calling her a bitch, I was wondering if he was going to be like, and by the way, Silver King, for for saying F Brock, don't don't think I didn't hear that. But no, <laughs> if, if, if uh, Paul Heyman said my name on, on WWE Raw, the level of marking out, I wouldn't be on the show anymore. Yeah. I, I'd be in a stratosphere somewhere. So let's not even get into that. Look, that well, hold line on. Was one, one more thing, just to, to go okay, full go circle on our, on our debate from last week. He's calling the, the title, you know, Brock's bitch, but... By the way, uh, you know who's really Brock's bitch in real life before we get into why, if this worked and was good? 
Vince McMahon. And that's oh, yeah. why you have a problem with Brock. That's why all the listeners that backed you have a problem with Brock. I said it last week. I'll say it again. Hey, Vince, you let this guy walk all over you. Thank you. Uh, no, that's 100% right. So what was the other line? It was off of WrestleMania, Roman Reigns will need to seek a, another championship yes. to go after. Okay, look, this guy is a master at his craft, okay? We are giving you the two highlights that Paul Hay- The rest of that promo, which was like seven minutes long, was not good. A- and that's just the truth. The, the crux of the promo was that the universal champion, whoever he- holds WWE's biggest title, which again, it's not, it should be the second biggest title, but whoever holds that title needs to always be there. And Roman Reigns, if your dad's in the hospital, and I kind of thought he was alluding to something maybe that happened with Brock Lesnar personally. Maybe he had someone sick and he wasn't able to visit them in the hospital because he was champion, whatever. But Roman Reigns, you need to put the title first. But it rang so hollow and it, it just was so disjointed because Brock Lesnar's never there. <laughs> and I don't think they did it on purpose that way. It, to me, was honestly just stupid. Yeah, and, and by the way, Paul, Reigns has held the WWE Championship like four times. So it's not like there's this guy trying to climb the mountain for the first time. Look, I think it, this segment overall exposed, and again, it's part of that theme this, this week that Raw was basically a, a speed bump detour on the road to WrestleMania, that this exposed why not having Brock Lesnar there on a full-time basis sucks. And it does sort of put some points back in your category of saying, Maybe not F Brock the person, but F this version of Brock's character, F the handling of Brock's character right now. There was a major hole because nothing was accomplished in the segment. Nothing at all. Do you know what this segment was? An advertisement for Brock to be on next week's Raw. So you wasted a Raw on the road to WrestleMania to preview that he's going to be on next week's Raw. By the way, just like you wasted John Cena on Raw this week, just to preview that he's going to be at Fastlane on Sunday, which is another topic altogether. And then, and then John Cena wasn't even on SmackDown at all. And they ran – all right, we're going to get into SmackDown later. I'm going to go off on a tangent about SmackDown. I'm saving it. Um, I will say, okay, so it, this, this segment was a disaster in my opinion. I wish they did it in the middle of the show, let's say, if you're going to do it that way. Promote it at the 9 o'clock hour and there's more people watching. Okay, you know, do something yeah. like that. I loved that Roman Reigns walked into the ring and demanded Heyman immediately pick yes. up the title, which again works counter to the entire rest of the promo. But I loved that moment. The worst part of the entire thing was not – Heyman's promo. Roman Reigns music hits. Zero crowd reaction. The show ends and he threatens Heyman and threatens Lesnar. Zero crowd reaction. I'm not talking about boos. I'm talking about no one standing up, no one's cheering, no one's booing. Nothing happened. And this is your biggest guy in the company who one week ago was getting badass face cheers for cutting a ridiculous promo on Brock Lesnar. And one week later, it's silence. That's terrible. No, you're right. And you pointed that out, and I went back and watched it just to make sure you were right, and there was no there was no response. When Reigns is in his face delivering those final words, there was nothing. And I wonder, by the way, if some – you know, one, it's because he's polarizing. I get it. But I wonder if some of it goes to the way they booked Elimination Chamber, by the way. They didn't book Reigns winning it in a babyface. They let Braun Strowman be the babyface who was coming back against all odds. Reigns almost won that match like a heel. So when you book someone without a true role, you'll get watered down in, you know, lukewarm responses from the cloud. I mean, obviously he doesn't get lukewarm because he's a star, but he's not getting in that moment what they desired for him to get. Oh, whoa. Whoa, bonus DM slide, Adam, before we get off Paul Heyman from Len Anderson at Len Biggs. He says, hey, BC, I want to say I'm 100% in lockstep with the Silver King over Lesnar. It's time to move on and make the title a weekly presence on Raw. But Len's question, Adam, is this. 
do you feel the same about Heyman, even a little? Or does he just need a new client? I know Heyman is gold on the mic, but his promos are wearing thin to me. It might be sacrilege to say, but I'm tuning him out, says Len Anderson. Love the ITC appointment listening. Adam, take the floor. All right, a couple things here. First, I want to make it very, very clear. There was 100% Twitter reaction siding with me on Brock Lesnar. Right? Yeah, I guess. I guess. I guess that's right. I did not see a single tweet. Now, they were coming to me, so maybe that's why they were all positive for me. But you tell me if I'm wrong. I did not see a single tweet agreeing with you that Brock Lesnar should ever hold the title in WWE again. So that that's number one. Now, to answer this actual question, uh, yeah, I think it's sacrilege to say that Paul Heyman has proven that he can get people over. Um, WWE has not necessarily given him the best people and angles to get over. It worked with CM Punk. Fantastic, but CM Punk can speak, so he didn't always need Paul Heyman. They tried it with Cesaro. I kind of wish they gave that more opportunity because Cesaro is such a badass and could have been a world champion. Um, I think it will work, whether it's Rousey, whether it's Reigns, which I'm dying for them to do. It's perfect. Um, I think Heyman needs another client, and I would like to have Brock Lesnar come back for some badass one-off appearances at a SummerSlam or a Royal Rumble or whatever the case and not have Heyman. And just, yeah. you forget, when Brock Lesnar was on SmackDown back in like 03, 04, kind of around his debut in WWE, Heyman was with him sometimes, but Lesnar could work the mic. He wasn't great, but he was way better than a lot of WWE's other wrestlers. So what's the problem well, with him speaking for himself? He's legitimately tough and he's not afraid to swear and talk trash. So it's kind of, exactly. I'd like to see more of that. But I think overall, just one more point on that Lesnar thing. Look, Everyone, the, the, there's Mr. Rest to get hate on Lesnar. We're gonna miss him when he gone uh, when he's gone. Obviously, I want him to be more because there's I want more of him. I want because there's nothing like him. He's still that shoot artist that you're not really sure because he's such a believable badass. What's happening in the ring? If it's real or not? Is he taking control of the match? And he's that last great attraction in WWE that's so unique from Andre through Hulk. This special attraction. So let's not push him out the door. I know everybody that came back supporting what you said. I think they're supporting a theory in what you said, but not the thing. But to Len Anderson for calling out Heyman. Like, come on. Wow, 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 Paul. I didn't, I mean, Len, Len Anderson is probably a good dude. You don't have to go after his family, but come on. He's the real deal right now. He's compensating for Brock not being there. That's why this pro, this week's promo was not great. That's fair. All right, a couple more things to hit on this Raw build to WrestleMania in our main event segment. Uh, they also established that we're going to have a triple threat match for the Intercontinental title. The Miz versus Seth Rollins um, versus Finn Balor. So, BC, you know I'm obviously happy about that. I think you are too. Was this the right match? There were rumors, obviously, Dave Meltzer had reported uh, a couple months ago that they were considering Ms. Braun Strowman. I think this is a way better option. What yeah, I think it's way better. And look, obviously, Seth Finn would have been more than fine on its own. But this doing it this way, you don't have to turn one of them heel, which, which again, you didn't have to if you did it that way, but WWE tends to want to in those situations. I like adding the the heel Miz means we're still going to be a, see a badass match, but there's also potential for Miz to just retain and it be okay for the overall picture moving forward. Uh, I love the dynamics that the next few weeks are going to create. Because now you're going to have Miz TV a lot. You're going to have the Miz Taraj around helping him get, you know, get some beatdowns. I think this is, storyline-wise, they haven't really given us a feel yet. But I think the personalities involved trump that. And to a small degree, Rollins and Balor have been forming a little bit of a foundation of, like, frenemies, right? We saw that this week when they stole the tag from each other twice and tagged themselves back in in that match. I'm really excited about what this could be. I mean, Rollins-Balor is really a long-term storyline that we need, whether it's, 
for the world title, whether it's for the intercontinental title. I'm okay with that because it's just a, a prelude to an eventual world title feud. I kind of like this match for a number of reasons. One, like you said, it does give The Miz an opportunity to retain the title and still not make anyone look weak. You know, just push someone off, get the pin. That's not going to be the reaction. The reaction we want at WrestleMania is for Balor or Rollins to win and the entire crowd to go nuts. But Miz winning, even though he's over as kind of, you know, his his new, you know, I'm, I'm bad, but fans like me because I tell the truth type of character, um, he'll get booed at WrestleMania if he wins. So that's cool too. And there's a lot of ways they can go with it. I think ultimately, either it doesn't have to be the winner, but someone in this match needs to move to SmackDown. And whether it's like Balor or Rollins winning and taking the title over there, and then Miz, and then Miz being upset because now he can't continue the Intercontinental Title legacy because he's still on Raw. Something needs to happen where at the end of this match, there's either a new champion or a storyline direction with that title going somewhere because as great of a job as the Miz has done. If Roman Reigns is going to be champion and Brock Lesnar is not going to be there permanently, Roman needs heel challengers, and the Miz is ready for the main event picture. Damn, damn right, uh, Adam. We saw uh, in the the best thing from Raw this week was the advancement of the women's storylines, which you teased off the top. I specifically really like what happened with Nia Jax this week, and she had a match with Asuka that was probably the best part of Raw altogether in terms that it was a physical, intense, almost pay-per-view level match. And once again, after dominating, you have Nia Jax just barely coming up short. She didn't break the unbeaten streak. You have Asuka showing more of a, you know, not the NXT dominator, showing more of the babyface working from underneath. Obviously, it's understandable against someone Nia's size. But you have Nia Jax, who tried to fight out of that that submission move and ultimately couldn't. Getting babyface cheers at him when she exited the ring holding her arm. And then that really brilliant backstage segment with Alexa Bliss where Nia produced real tears. And Alexa was so perfectly condescendingly tearing her apart while pretending to encourage her and support her. But instead bringing up how much she's been a, you know, a freak and she's been overweight and all these awful things. I mean, look, she's not like most girls. We know this. Robbie Snyder knows this. Everybody knows this. But I just, but basically it's like this is starting to tell a story of a subtle face turn to maybe set up Bliss Nia. It's making a lot of sense to me. By the way, I just recently heard that some people, I don't know if it's another uh, podcast or if it's just a common IWC term, but refer to her as Big Fine, which I think is an incredible nickname for Nia Jax. <laughs> the backstage segment, I think it goes without saying, it, was, it wasn't perfect, but it was great. And it was well done. And it's setting the stage for that match and that storyline. That's perfect. I, what I didn't like is what happened in the ring uh, towards the end of the match and then at the, after the match with Nia Jax, I think if you're trying to get her over as a face, having her slowly get up grabbing her arm after a match that was very good but not earth-shattering, the, the crowd cheered for her. Sure, there were polite claps, but you want them to cheer for her go, like in a losing effort. I think they should have had Asuka stay there and help her up. I think they should have maybe had Bailey come to the ring and help her towards the back. But that they should have done something it, else to rub some face heat on her but here's the versus thing, just having her walk off. That's announcing that she's a face. That's announcing we're going in this direction. We're doing it this way made it a little bit more subtle where you're unsure. Like, I think it's going to lead now to Nia and Alexic Bliss, and they've had the long-term friendship and on-and-off storyline. I think that's a great story to tell at WrestleMania. I think we're going there. But I think under your way, they may have been showing their hand a little too much. That's fair. Um, I just hope it develops further than, further than just Nia and Alexa going back and forth. I want someone to come to Nia's aid and tell her 
that Alexa is being a bad friend. Oh, maybe, like, mi- maybe, maybe Mickey, right? Why are you such a bad friend? Whoa, whoa, Sasha, why are you such a bad? Maybe, maybe Mickey's that one because she's been the on and off friend of me there, right? There just needs to be another level to it versus Nia just coming to the realization that Alexa sucks, right? Like there has to be something else to really push her towards that face level. Um, and they almost had it when she did that, not Samoan drop, but backdropped Bliss when she was sitting on her shoulders like six months ago. Yeah. What that was that, the incredible. Electric chair? Is that the electric chair? That's what they call it? Electric chair. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a backdrop. That's right. Um, so something like that needs to happen with like egging on from the other faces in the roster, like get her away from Bliss. I just want to see a little bit more. On that note with Nia Jax, last thing here. We already know she only wins like 20% of her matches and her beating Bliss as champion, like, cool, that that will work if that happens at WrestleMania. Do you think she's good in the ring? Uh, yeah, for her size, yes. But I think you have to put that asterisk for her size because See, there's no one else like her. There aren't women that size. And she can, for, for the rare women we've seen of that size, I think she's a good worker. Not great, but I think she's a good worker. So I think she's athletic, and I think she's able to carry herself well in the ring and could easily hold a championship. But move skill set wise, she doesn't have a finisher. She doesn't have a lot of really unique oh, she's Nia Jax moves. Come on, brother. She's got the leg drop. That's one of like seven moves that she has used as a finisher the 10 times she's ever won a match in WWE. But it doesn't have a name, which, you know, goes back to my issue. But she like missed a, a backbreaker. Um, she just makes a lot of mistakes in the ring that I think takes a, take away from how dominant she could actually be. Uh, that's fair. That, the, the Booking-wise, that's fair. And I think she has covered up from her original flaw, which was she was an awful seller. And she sold way too much. She was too giving. And it was comedic. And it wasn't good. I do. I would like a harsher level of booking for her as strong. And they tried that to a degree. They let her beat up Asuka for the most part, right? It's just she couldn't avoid the submissions. And I'll buy that story. But there's, an over, there's a transition here to Asuka. And there's an overall story here, Adam, that says this. Asuka just beat... Every quality person that they have on Raw on regular TV for the last seven or eight weeks, sometimes more than once. Where are we going now to Mania now that she's effectively cleaned house, but yet never got that title shot with Bliss to prove that she's that, that you know, that woman? Are we booking the damn territory? I think is we are. I think we are. All right. All right. This is how we do it. I think this works, right? So you have Asuka in the ring, you know, ready to make her announcement. Uh, Bliss's music comes out, or, or Bliss's music hits, um, comes to the ring. She's like, you don't want none of this, whatever, says something snarky to her, right? As Asuka's about to announce for Alexa Bliss, Nia Jax's music hits. She comes to the ring, like whispers into Asuka's ear, or says something like, I want her, let me take her out. Asuka picks Charlotte Flair on Raw. Nia whips Alexa Bliss, takes her right out, flattens her in the middle of the ring. Nia face cheers. Asuka, you're waiting for her on SmackDown Tuesday night. Boom! There you go. All right, I, I don't, I don't hate that for sure. I like, I like a lot of that. I think that might be a good way to go because I don't think we believe Ruby Riot as a Charlotte title no. challenger, and we're going to find that out on Fastlane on Sunday. And unless, unless Carmella cashes in, which I'm sure we'll talk about soon, that leaves that open for that. And by the way, that would leave in play the idea that Car- Carmella could cash in at the Mania match and not necessarily cash in successfully, but still add something really fun to that match. I'm going to stick with yours. I gave you the ball first to say book this thing. I'm I'm for this, all right? The easy way to, would just be to play out Asuka Bliss and say she's beaten everyone in the company. She just beat all the top people, including that dominant victory over Bliss. Now she's finally getting the title chance. And then give her Diesel Bob Backlund booking. Seriously, let her squash that in 10 seconds and let her win that title. 
If you're not going to do that, then Charlotte might be the best way to get an epic match. But let's hope, Adam, unless the main card in WrestleMania is nine hours, let's hope they give that a good slot. Not the popcorn, not the Naomi popcorn level spot. Let's get a good spot for that match. Yeah, I agree. I just don't think you can have Asuka and Rousey on the same brand. Unless your goal is to have them fight at SummerSlam. Um, I don't think you can have Asuka and Rousey, you know, on the same brand, not going against each other. And just kind of forgetting that each other's there. That you know, that doesn't work for me. That's All right, fair. BC. That's fair. All right, BC. Let's cut this off. We went long on the single one solo main event. We never have that. We usually have double triple. Let us move on to your favorite segment, hero or zero. All right, so WWE on Monday announced the, quote, greatest Royal Rumble, unquote, a 50-man battle royal that is going to main event a show in Saudi Arabia in April. As far as I know, there's no additional details. They haven't said whether a title match will be on the line or anything like that. They also semi-confirmed on Monday night that they will have an Australia show, but they did not provide any details on that. No press release, nothing like that. So look, WWE... They're expanding. They're looking to move into some countries where they don't necessarily run shows that often. You see them in England all the time. You see them in Japan. You don't really see them in Saudi Arabia and Australia, BC. Hero or zero for the Saudi Arabia show and the booking of a 50-man Greatest Royal Rumble. Bonus hero to the Australia idea, by the way, because it's a 100,000-seat stadium, because we have a lot of passionate down-under listeners on our show, and because it would be a real pay-per-view in the storyline, which this does not seem to be, Adam, which doesn't necessarily make it a zero. Because, look, Triple H and Jinder just went to India and did supposedly big business and moved the brand along, and that's fine, and that's... Maybe even find, although we had that debate, that Triple H goes over. That's a separate story. This does not look to be that. The greatest Royal Rumble card is looking like a money grab, which, again, I'm not going to say anything negative about that. And there was publicity pictures of Vince and Triple H in Saudi Arabia, you know, with with what looked to be a member of their government holding the WWE championship. But the problem I have with this is it looks like a very, very, very gratuitous money grab in the sense that they're – willing to almost bastardize something sacred of theirs. And I don't want anybody to get at me and go, it's a house show. If it doesn't show up on the network, then I don't want anybody to say, who cares? It's a house show. No, again, we're supposed to care about house shows because sometimes titles get changed there. So I'm not going to be happy with Triple H pretending he's part of the Shield in South America to get pops. No, never will. And I don't think I'm going to be happy about this because what? look, we know there's a lot of money in Saudi Arabia. We know that... They are, they're really trying to bring entertainment there. Like you're seeing a lot of money thrown at boxing matches a lot of times that don't end up coming to fruition. And they're having a 10 year plan to bring in more entertainment there, which this deal appears part of. But the problem is this, Adam, you're bastardizing a sacred thing in the Royal Rumble. What if the NBA received a, a request from name a country in the Middle East or Asia or somewhere, you know, a little bit off the map and said, we'll want you to host an NBA all-star game, bring all your best players. Like, would we be okay with that? Especially if it's potentially untelevised, would we be okay with that? Everything about this is cool, including John Cena, Triple H, Roman Reigns, AJ Styles, and all the big names being on it, except for the fact that you're now breaking a record of the Royal Rumble. The record used to be the 40-man 2001 match, and now it's a 50-man Royal Rumble that makes no sense. Yeah, you nailed it. It's a zero. Um, It reeks to me of pure money grab. There's really no other way to put it. I think you can have a battle royal 
and call it something else versus the greatest Royal Rumble, bastardize the name. If you're going to call it the Royal Rumble, then there needs to be a number one contendership on the line, and you need to put it on the network. Like, if they do that, if they go to those lengths and they make it a network special, although it is late April, like almost immediately after WrestleMania, if you put it on the network and you put a title on uh, a title opportunity on the line at SummerSlam or at the next pay-per-view or something like that, I'm more okay with it. They did announce that broadcast details are to come. That may only be in Saudi Arabia or in the Middle East or something like that. But if it's broadcast anywhere, we will at least see it, maybe through not so legal means, but at least we'll be able to see the show. Maybe so, the winner but, of the this Rumble will get to pick for Asuka, who she faces after she won the Rumble. I mean, what, what two weeks after WrestleMania, here? yeah. And by the way, my NBA All Star Game analogy doesn't really work. It, it almost has to be something bigger. Imagine if, like, the NFL did, hey, we're going to host a Super Bowl, and you know, in England, they'd be like, no, there's there's already something called the Super Bowl, so stop it, stop that crap. Adam, number two on Hero or Zero this week, Woken Mad Hardy interrupted Bray Wyatt's squash mash victory over Rhino to offer a chance to finish the Great War at the Hardy compound in North Carolina in his backyard, which we've seen many times in TNA, which featured a vignette that saw the comeback of Vanguard 1 and Skarsgård, the dilapidated boat. Are you popping for this, Adam, Hero or Zero, that this is going to turn out to be a good thing? Yeah, it's a massive hero for me. Uh, I think we also saw on Twitter what Senior Benjamin, King Maxwell, yes. and what's his wife's name again? Rebby. And Rebby Hardy, right. So it looks like the cast of characters is somehow going to be involved in vignettes or otherwise. It is a massive hero for me. I'm excited. It's breathing life into this Woken gimmick that has really desperately needed it. The issue I have, BC, it feels as long as this has been dragged out. It's weird. It feels rushed. Why haven't there been incremental pieces of this that have been on TV over the last two months or since the entirety of the Woken gimmick versus just nothing existing and then everything existing on Monday night? And when is this match going to be? Is this just going to be a big part of one of the Raws in, you know, in late March, later this month? Or is this going to be a 20-minute video airing during WrestleMania? I think it, it, it'll it be a fail if it's not airing at WrestleMania. And I know there's going to be people that say, well, I'm going to buy a ticket to WrestleMania. I don't want to sit there for 20 minutes. I'd rather sit there for 20 minutes and watch this on the big screen or use this as a chance to go to the bathroom than I would a Pitbull concert, all right? Give me the green light, Adam, because I, you know, I wasn't really ready to go last year on that. Uh, yeah. I was ready to wait. I was ready to go during the Pitbull concert, so it was perfect timing. Uh, there you go. There you go right yeah. there. Uh, yeah, th this is an overall hero. The timing and placing will be interesting. It's a hero mostly because it's the only thing that they could do to get me care to care about the Woken Hardy care. And I'm not like all against it, but obviously let's be honest, these, this Bray Wyatt, Matt Hardy feud has not been good and it hasn't gone anywhere. Now we have light at the end of the tunnel where it could go. And if Jeff Hardy comes back from injury, just in time to reignite the brother Nero, or what are they going to call him? Brother zero. I don't know. You know, you know I'm going to be fired up for that. Well, they have the rights, So I think they can call him brother Nero. And that's also his middle name. So I don't think there was ever right. An issue with that yes. anyway. Um, but it is a hero, I think, for both of us, BC. Moving on to number three, Cody and the Young Bucks have officially announced that the 11,000-seat Sears Center Arena, which is 45 minutes west of Chicago, <laughs> but in Chicago, as the site for their September 1st all-in show. BC, hero or zero both to the location and the idea that this opens the door for CM Punk to be at the show. Oh, massive, massive, massive hero to all of the above. I am so fired up. In fact, I'm all. I'm all in. 
Are you all in, Brian? Brandy, you know it. You know I am all in on this, Adam. Look, I love the idea of Chicago. Well, selfishly, because maybe there's a chance if this thing heats up that it's an easier flight for me to get there. But or, or even I'll get in the car and, and like I'm driving to like a, a dead concert and, and make a pilgrimage there. But really, the real reason is that tease for CM Punk. Adam, I'm not even sure they're going to need CM Punk to get to 10,000. I have a good feeling about the buzz and where this is going. But. Shout out to them to at least leaving that as a possibility because I don't think Brand- Daniel Bryan's contract runs out until the end of September, not September 1st. If they got Punk, this wouldn't be about 10000 anymore. It wouldn't really even be about the revolution anymore. I think this would be more about like creating a moment in time, like creating a card that matters. And the whole idea of how this 10000 thing with Dave Meltzer came about is that like nobody since WCW that has been a – a competitor for WWE has sold out 10, a 10,000 seat arena in the United States. And that's mind boggling. Even the success TNA had at their very, you know, at their little, they had, at their couple of mountaintop moments. If, if they could have a card that we remember that we go, yes, they did something because there's been a really bad history since Vince launched then took WWF national and launched the WrestleMania era. You know, there's a couple of those super cards, those super clashes where AWA and, and in uh, NWA and world-class and Memphis tried to come together and look, it was the disaster and it fell apart. This feels like people are coming together, not to stick it to WWE per se, but to show the world that there's something else out there. And that's really the theme of the revolution. And if they have CM Punk here, this could really be something special. And Adam, before I throw it back to you, the last time WWE was in Chicago for a pay-per-view, by the way, May 2017, Backlash, they drew 9,800 people. So I know, look, that card was Shinsuke's main roster debut. That card was uh, Nakamura. I'm sorry, I just said Shinsuke. That card was the Welcome Committee's debut, but it was also... <laughs> the Welcoming Committee's debut. I know, debut. did I say that? It was also <laughs> KO Styles won. And it was Jinder winning the championship from Orton. So I know, again, not their best card. But Brian, you're do... talking about you're talking about one of the worst one WWE, WWE pay per views of all time versus what maybe being built into like the independent wrestling WrestleMania. Okay, so the okay. leg I was trying to stand on just got gangrene, and we have to amputate it. But this has been a big week for Cody. And let me tell you this, Adam. He had the big feature on The Ringer, and Rolling Stone did a video and an interview with him at that ROH show last weekend in New York. And one quote Cody said which really stuck with me, and they used it as their headline. He says, we want our own era. We want our own attitude era. Look, that's really what this revolution is all about, right? Trying to say, I'm not in WWE, but I'm still going to create something that you're going to remember. I'm all for this. Come on. Oh, is it my turn now? Yeah, now, okay. now it's your turn. I got more to say about Cody, but I'm going to give you the floor. Go ahead. Oh, uh, I was wondering. It was 20 minutes later. Um, So it's a hero. Uh, You know, back to the original question. It's a massive hero. I think the location is the perfect choice. It's not lost on me that it happens to be in the same city or or near the same city that the pro wrestling tea shop, which is one of the big reasons the Young Bucks, Cody, and the Bullet Club are as big as they are, is that shop and its ability to help them sell merch and and promote their brands. It's no no shock to me that it's, you know, near there. Um, So hopefully there's other events there and there's, you know, they build something really nice around the entire thing. Um, Regarding CM Punk, you know, I think it really depends more on UFC. I don't know how his contract is structured, but... For me, like, listen, I don't think that them promoting this, what, drug-free bear on being the elite is a coincidence. So Punk's either in that bear or they're using that bear as a way to, like, you know, tease everyone and make them think CM Punk is there. So when this initially happened and you and I talked about, you know, the bet, which, by the way, the bet was 10,000 seats, three months to promote. They they have, like, a year now to promote. So 
it's not exactly the bit what the actual bet was with Dave Meltzer, but you know, we said, Hey, is this going to happen? And I said, no freaking way it could happen. I no longer necessarily believe that. I yes. think there's a good op- I think there's a good opportunity. They sell 10,000 seats um, because of their, the ability, the extended period of time to promote because of the city choice, um, because of some of the commitments they're probably going to get from NJPW stars. If well, they can okay. get guys, legitimate guys, Abushi, Okada, um, Naito, if they get a couple of these guys, that is where this is really going to come into play and sell out. Because that NJPW show, granted, it's in California. There's a larger Asian audience there. There's more NJPW fans over there. They sold out 5,000 in like a day. So if they're going to have one on the East, not the East Coast, but the Midwest, where the East Coast is able to get to it pretty easily, they're going to sell out 10,000 seats. And if that becomes an all-star game for people in the Indies, which it's basically doing, it's going to be great. And if they can get Jericho, obviously, the Han, the Han Solo of the revolution, it's going to be huge. And did you hear Silver King just break there and said they may sell out 10K? I love it. Nick Jackson of the Bucks on Being the Elite this week said that we do have offers out there and some confirmations from big Japanese wrestlers that we're going to announce shortly so that's great and i think you heard that noise let me just entertain from casey guns a bonus at casey guns a bonus dm slice it's bc i don't know if i can handle anymore your cody is good getting better statements it's reaching stack guy greg levels on cheap heat with this roman is an all-time great wow shout out to stack guy greg this must stop now much love for all the work you and the silver king and costos when he's around like cena actually do hey casey guns you know what I'm not going to stop with Cody is good getting better because Cody's pretty much great. All right. I said it. And one more reveal here. The Silver King, it, true or false, the other day to me offline, did you or did you not say that Cody will one day? What did you say? Say it. Just say it. Adam, just say it, please. What did you say about Cody? I, I think Cody one day, uh, five years, six years, like, you know, sometimes. No caveats. Will, bring it. No, no. I, I mean, it's legit. We'll be in the main event picture in WWE again. And Why don't you just, spit? just say it. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And I, I think a lot of it has to do with if you read the story on the ringer with Cody, it was a really nice profile on him, his father, his father's last days, Cody's decision to go independent. Um, what really stuck out to me was WWE. And we know WWE's booking sucked, right? This is not news to us. But what really stuck out to me was how passionate he was to push forward himself as a as a legitimate Cody Rhodes character after Stardust. And even before Stardust and WWE just like wafting him away, he has gone out on his own on the independent scene and proven he can do it without them in a much larger way. But as an example, like what EC3 did, right? He's like, look, I'm not, it's not working for me in NXT. I'm going to go make something of myself in TNA and come back. Right. That's how you do it in this business. I don't think Cody is stupid enough to think that his long-term career for the next 15, 20 years will all be in independence. And he'll never be back in WWE unless this guy ends up starting his own promotion. Okay, so if that's not going to happen, I think he's going to make him, make himself into a legitimate main eventer that WWE will bring back into that picture. Yes. That way, said, my my caveat that I will say, no, because don't said, don't give me no, the no, black said, lining on the silver cloud. Here. I don't said do this to you also as part of our conversation. I still don't necessarily think he's very good in the ring. Okay, here's what Cody is, real quick. He's a sum of his parts guy. There's not really one quality about him that's great. So it makes people go, oh, Cody, he's not really that good. No, no, he's he's pretty much even and really good in all the categories. There is not one that he's great at. And I also think, Adam, that there are people who still think of that lisp-talking original Cody with the mustache, who's Dusty's kid that we're trying to take seriously. And you mix that with this heel character, which is very cocky and arrogant, and he's got the hot wife. And I think people are just... 
hating Cody because they're stuck in the mark zone and they're supposed to hate Cody and they're not even realizing how great he is. But look, you're you're a stiff, you're a tough judge, and you're giving him a little bit of shine. Shout out to Cody for making things happen. Adam, I am. I would, before we go on, yeah. one, one other quick thing. So while I may not be fully bought in on the revolution, which I call the quote-unquote revolution, I will never, ever hate on anyone for having an entrepreneurial mind. And that's what Cody has. That's what the Young Bucks have. And that, more than any other reason, is why I think All In can work and why I'm really buying into it. I'm interested in All In. I am not interested in the ROH Supercard of Honor WrestleMania weekend. For me, there's a huge distinction between those two events. Wow, wow. Some, some, some heel silver king coming back out. Number four on Hero or Zero. Speaking of the revolution, Adam, in response to a fan's tweet, Chris Jericho revealed that he's, quote, unfortunately done with NJPW. Hero to Zero, whether he's telling the truth, and I also want you to take a glance into your non-revolution crystal ball and tell me whether we will see Chris Jericho on WWE TV before the end of 2018. All right. So uh, in terms of him telling the truth, I think it's a zero. You can't trust anything Chris Jericho is gonna, ever says, whether it's on Twitter, in an interview, whatever. He loves playing fans and getting reactions and, and hiding you know, his plan. So zero on that. Though I will say it, him saying unfortunately no so quickly and not kind of like dragging it out kind of has me believing it and buying it into it a little bit more. Um, and I also don't think it's impossible for NJPW to just give up on a plan. I, you know, they don't necessarily follow through with everything that they try to do, especially with American stars. So I do think it's plausible, but I also think we're like, what, we have three, four months until Dominion and they don't necessarily need to, you know, tease the bag now. They can wait another month or two months for it. As far as are we going to see him in 2018? I'll say no. Uh, I think he's going to ride this NJPW wave out, you know, for the rest of the year. It may only be one match. Like, BC, I told you from the beginning, I thought it would be one match, and then I amended it to maybe two or three. I still don't think it's going to be more than that, uh, and I don't think he's going to be at this Long Beach show at the end of March. Um, but I don't necessarily think that means we see him in WWE. Yeah, I think we'll get one Naito match, whether it's March, whether it's that, uh, what is it, Dominion is, Dominion. is their big spring pay-per-view. I don't think he'll do G1. You know, I think he'll be at All In. I think he's obviously going to be at his cruise. And then I do think there's a shot. We see him at Wrestle Kingdom next year. One more big one. And then Jericho fashion, he probably disappears and shows up at the Rumble next year. That's probably how Jericho's going to do it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the cruise is the end of his affiliation in some way. And, and he just works it through that. Um, all right, BC, let's move on to number five. Actually, was it a hero or zero for you? Do you believe it or not? I don't believe in one second. That's just a total okay. perfect Jericho setup to trick us and then come back very sorry. All right, let's finish out Hero Zero. So Alberto Del Rio, what, he's Alberto El Patron, right, uh, with Impact Wrestling. He was reportedly in Stanford, Connecticut. I think this was reported by PW Insider uh, to film parts of an upcoming project. I think it's a Rey Mysterio documentary or movie or something like that. And while he was there, he reportedly had a conversation with Vince McMahon. So Hero Zero on a potential Alberto Del Rio return in WWE. You want me to say zero. Everybody listening right now wants me to say zero for a couple of reasons, right? Because, look, he hasn't been that great in TNA or wherever he's been since WWE. Two, Paige is in WWE right now, and we're all, like, kind of caring about Paige's future as a person. And maybe that's not a good idea to bring this guy back. And three, to steal a, a quote from, from my good friend Peter Rosenberg of Cheapy, this guy has all the makings to be bad guy. Like, this guy feels like a bad guy, which kind of leads me to believe that's the reason why they never took advantage of him on his second go-around when he came back in great shape. And I know he got busted for a wellness violation, but he looked like he was ready to be the part of that heel. But I'm not going to tell you zero. Oh, did he while he was with Zeb Coulter 
with the real Americans or Mex America. He really looked like he was part. Oh, how dare you? Say it with me, Mex America. Say it, Mex America. Say it, Mex America. Say it, Rich. Well, you better be learning to say it because you're going to be hearing it a lot from now on out. Well, we never heard it, it again. We never heard it again. So no, that honestly might be the one of the worst angles in WWE history. Oh, I, I can't. I did interview Del Rio after that. I forgot to ask him about that angle. I need to interview him or Dutch Mantel and get what were they going to do? Is this going to be a Trump thing? What were they going to do in the end? Anyway, here we go. I don't. It's not a zero to me. And here's the thing: when he comes back ripped. He is a natural heel, and he does touch the Hispanic population, which is a big one for WWE. They never did something with him the second time around to really get the nastiness out of him. Uh, you know what didn't work? Mex-America. You know what didn't work? Uh, League of Nations or whatever, where he was just a muscle. He was a throwaway muscle in there. If they let him have a one, it's not going to be a long run, but have a short run as a despicable heel, and you have to agree to this, Adam, his outside-the-ring headline since leaving WWE has really doubled down on the fact that he is a heel, that we think he's a bad guy. Remember that incident in San Antonio outside his restaurant where he had stab marks all over his arms and him and Paige say that they got attacked, but there's no police reports? Like, it was like a sketchy situation. There's been a few of those, right? He's had some no-call, no-shows at other promotions in Mexico. He seems like a bad dude. Vince McMahon, if I if he's the Vince McMahon heel that I know, he should bring back Del Rio as a despicable heel, put him in a title run, and have Paige be his manager. Boom! Hero. What the hell are you talking about? Yes. Honestly, in the history of this Hero or Zero segment, this is the biggest possible zero. What's Del Rio going to be ripped on, BC? The white stuff? I don't need Del Rio in WWE when we have Andrade Cien Almas in NXT who can do the exact same thing better with a better mouthpiece on the main roster. I want nothing to do with Alberto Del Rio. WWE, which touts its wellness program and caring about its wrestlers' futures. And now there's this whole, look, we don't think, you know, Paige says there was nothing with domestic violence going on with Del Rio. We don't know that. There were incidents that were reported. Who the hell knows? She looked awful in those pictures. Zero, zero, Del Rio should never step foot in WWE but until, like, what, 2020 when he's inducted into the Hall of Fame. It's no sense. It doesn't fit. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. All right, I was trolling you on the page as a manager. I just wanted to see you pop. I'm just going to say Vince knows dollars. He knows second chances. I think we got one more run with you're the wrong. You're, you're so You're so wrong on this. Oh, man, come on. He could do it. He could be that guy. Anyway, all right, whatever. And we got to roll into the fast lane preview with Hero or Zero behind us. Uh, I'm not going to spend this whole segment ripping SmackDown. I will tell you this is the least excited I am for a pay-per-view in a long time since insert SmackDown pay-per-view of last year that also left me least excited. And uh, I the had... one you, you mean the one that you just compared to All In? Backlash? Uh, oh, how dare you. And <laughs> and um, this is also a go-home show, by the way. For It was a go-home WrestleMania pay-per-view, the final specific blue brand-esque paper. Like, what is going on here, Adam? It's awful. Uh, you know, look. I, I, I forgot what I tweeted exactly on Tuesday night, but it was something along the lines of like, you have to actively try to write television as poorly as they are SmackDown because any given week they could have fixed this. Like any week, you just do a couple, couple tweaks to some angles, you make it work, you write a couple better promos and you're good. They actively have to be trying to make it this bad. And I don't understand why it's telling that the one time that Fox executives were in the building, they brought John Cena over and it was like a C episode as opposed to the D's and F's we've been getting every single week for the last eight weeks, BC. But let's get into this fast lane, you know, preview. I'm going to run a couple of those undercard matches that literally they just booked Tuesday. Becky Lynch and Naomi against Carmella and Natalia. 
Do you care at all? No, it it smells like the welcoming committee. I don't, I can't do it. Okay. Shinsuke Nakamura versus Rusev. Okay. There's at least something here, right? Yeah. There was something here on that talking segment this week. Nakamura You can't just make up your own holiday, Paul. <laughs> like that's like, the, that's the top of the mountain. They don't even need a match now. That was fantastic. They got to get Rusev to drop this accent and just be a badass. Like get away from the Bulgaria gimmick. Stay with Aiden English if you want. Whatever whatever you need to do. He dropped the accent, delivered a perfect line. This guy has character. He has in-ring ability. What are they doing with Rusev? Oh, they're doing nothing. But by the way, so that's that was a hilarious comeback. It's so ironic. But Nakamura actually sounded like Aiden English there. Like that was a pretty that was a pretty sweet moment right it, there. It really wasn't bad, and people forget that Nakamura is actually funny. Like, when the, when you give him the opportunity to speak, he can be funny. The thing with Nakamura that kind of pisses me off a little bit is this guy knew he was coming to the main roster, right? And he's been speaking English and in the United States of America for years. Like, get a Rosetta Stone. Like, just, like, oh, just speak. No, 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 no. I'm not saying he needs to speak fluent English. I'm not saying Asuka does, but Asuka speaks English pretty damn well, okay? This is basically Hideo, what you're trying to say. Hideo Itami, Hideo Itami, I just recently saw when they introduced him on NXT as Kenta. He spoke English pretty damn well. Nakamura, you, you got to sell yourself. Be WWE champion. Wow. Be able to deliver a promo. You got to be a little better. This guy Silverstein's basically like... Asuka, I know your English is not great. I mean, how dare you? Wow. I'm, looking, I'm just looking out for the guy's career. I, I just want him to be able to sell himself to the WWE universe. I'm not saying the guy needs to be fluent in English. I also happen to think it's really interesting. He tweets and Instagrams in near-perfect English. So he knows the language. Yeah. He just doesn't seem to speak it very well. He would benefit greatly from an unscripted or, or loosely scripted environment because when you interview him for a story, his, his English is obviously limited. He gives you broken sentences, but he, th- he, does, he does a long pause. He thinks about it, and he closes every answer with a joke, every single one. He's very witty and funny. I would like to see that side of him come out, not this, we don't trust you on the mic, so here's seven English words for you to deliver. Like, it's just it's not working. Yeah, listen, do some pre-taped segments with uh, Mickey Mouse words all over it, right? You do it for everyone else. Oh, Why can't boy. you do it for Nakamura, the guy who actually needs a little bit of help with it? And by the way, we're going to get to the rest of this Fastlane preview, BC. There is something on Reddit right now. They took Dusty Rhodes' old uh, Hard Times promo, and they made believe that it was on SmackDown in 2018. It is hysterical. Ooh, you guys have that. to go over to Reddit that. and see it. There's just words all over the place. It's ridiculous. It was worse than ever on Tuesday night, the way they delivered those promos with all the graphics and stuff. Absolutely terrible. All right. Fastly, that's my rant. You know I have to do that every week. Tag Team Championship, the Usos defending against the New Day BC in the continuation of what I think is the year's best feud. Yeah, it is. And nothing happened this week to further the storyline. We talked about this last week, how good the dueling promos were. It really comes down to us just saying who do we think will win and who do we think should win. And ultimately, I think this is a feud I'd want to see at Mania. So if this is going to be our, you know, last step to get there, then I think they're going to do a great match. And uh, I could see the New Day winning it. I could see the New Day unless unless their goal, I, guess, I mean, no, or, or can I, Adam? Let's talk about this. Would it be better to see the New Day coming back into the belts at Mania because they're the A side of this equation in reality? Should they have a Mania moment since they didn't even get to wrestle last year, although they obviously hosted yeah, maybe the Usos retain here, act a little bit heelish, and we see New Day go over at Mania. I'd be fine with that equation, but I'm not really sore either way because I want to see a great match. 
let's not forget the Bludgeon Brothers are sitting out there. I think they wind up interfering in this match in some way. I don't think we get a clean finish. I think we see a triple threat with those three teams at Mania. You get New Day on the show. You get Usos on the show. And you might forget, because the Bludgeon Brothers have not had a match longer than a minute since they returned, these guys can effing work, right? So that is a match at WrestleMania. Those three teams, maybe with a stipulation, maybe not. I'm down for that if it's a triple threat. The only problem with that is is if we played uh, booking the damn WrestleMania territory, we'd have about 17 triple threat matches right now. You know what? Right now, as things stand, it would only be the second one. And we don't – there's a mixed tag and there's a couple tag matches there. But I'm not against it if it's these specific teams. All right. All right. Is that fair? That's fair. That's fair. Uh, we Look, didn't I would, give a prediction I, for – I would have – I, I would have loved to have them just run this match, Usos New Day at WrestleMania, and had Usos beat the Bludgeon Brothers at Fastlane. I don't know why they didn't do that. But if they're not going to do that, I think this is where they're headed, or at least it works for me at least. Yeah, and we didn't give a prediction for Nakamura, Rusev, and the reason why is it doesn't matter. It's a, it's a throw-together match. Oh, Nakamura is winning. I mean, yeah, they can't have Rusev win. Let's let's yeah. move the chains. Yeah, yeah. All right, moving on. Um, oh, so, so here, do you think New Day wins the title? I think New Day wins it at Mania. I'm sticking with my, my original plan there. I, I, I like, you're right. The Bludgeon Brothers have to do something big. They've been propped up. It could go your way. I, that's not implausible. But I'm going to say we retain here. We get New Day winning, whether it's a triple threat or not. So I agree with that. I would like to see the Usos on Raw with Roman Reigns in a faction. How cool would that be? Like, give him some edge. That'd be really cool. All right. Uh, that'd be a group, not a faction. Only three people. Anyway, United States Championship. We have Bobby Roode defending BC against Randy Orton. Jinder Mahal inserted himself into this. They haven't made any changes to the match yet. How do you think this plays out? I don't know, because they're talking a lot about Randy Orton having never won the U.S. title. So that is a good moment to have for Orton. And they do, here's the thing, for the fact that Orton can fall out of main event pictures really quickly and just really just, you know, go go to die on the mid-card level, which is kind of what he's doing here, they love him. And they love his history and his lineage, and they love to prop him back up, which they did at Royal Rumble last year. I wonder if they are going to set him up for a mania moment to win that U.S. title. And they'll talk about the 17-year legend finally wins the belt that's eluded him. If so, then you're going to see almost a prediction of what you did last time with the Bludgeon Brothers is that Mahal plays a hand in this match in some way, screws over Orton, and then we get Orton going over because we know that Bobby Roode's not working or long for a belt. And I think WWE knows that too. Yeah, you know, with Randy Orton, I think what we forget, the fans love Randy Orton. At house shows, he is usually like the number one or number two biggest pop. They just love this guy, right? right? It always surprises me. The marks are almost done with him. We respect him, but we're done with him unless they're going to, you know, retool him and give him like a major moment. Well, they did give him hair. So, you know, that that's something. He's getting the hair before he loses it all. Um, So I I think giving him the title into WrestleMania with a match that matters, Corbin or Ziggler or something like that would really work for me. Let's not forget also, they need a bunch of guys in this Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. I don't think Orton is cut out for that Battle Royal. So in lieu of that, I have him winning the title. So women's championship up next, we have Charlotte Flair uh, coming in as champion, defending against Ruby Riot. Does this go any other way than Charlotte retaining the title? No, this is this is not good. Here's one thing I'll say that was good. They opened SmackDown, and in the segment in the end was awful. And it was awful because Ruby Wright wasn't great on the mic and because Charlotte was about to get beaten down by the entire Riot Squad, and Bobby Roode's music hits, and she's giddy because they're Mixed Max Challenge partners, and Bobby comes out, 
And then they end the segment. Nothing happens. It was so lame. But I will give this if we were doing Hero or Zero because they actually explained Ruby Riot's reasoning. They actually did character development. They did it seven or eight weeks too late. But they gave you the reason why she would be jealous of Charlotte. And again, we can relate to that at home. It almost fixed the whole thing. It, you know, right there, where I was like, okay, I get it now. Ruby Riot thinks Charlotte's entitled and she's cocky and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, I'll see this match. You're not going to win it, but I'll watch you in this match. But no, they ruined it. Why didn't they drop that, like, week two that the riot squad's on tv or if not six weeks ago before all these individual matches happened where she beat what Liv morgan and what's the other one sarah uh sarah uh, logan sarah logan yes the name oh they're so bad um why not build that over six weeks into the storyline, which is a good, it's a good storyline because we it can't at least explain. Makes sense. We can't explain what SmackDown's doing, and we're gonna irritate our listeners because we can't get out of this wound. And it's we so have bad. reason to, Adam. I can't get out of the SmackDown wound because it makes me so angry. Because <laughs> I care. Because I give you my time every week. All right, enough said. Let's. Move All right, on. so Flair retains there. All right, so WWE Championship. So let's first just mention on Tuesday night they gave away what was the Fastlane main event as the main event of SmackDown with just John Cena not there. So they once again did that. So it's a six-pack challenge now. Styles, who has to beat apparently every single person in the world to retain the title that he won fair and square, goes up against John Cena, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Baron Corbin, and Dolph Ziggler. You know, BC, why don't you start by talking about what happened at the end of Tuesday night, which I thought was the best moment on SmackDown what in – Three months, right? No, I, um, I didn't think it was that great. I thought it was a, the best moment of the show. I thought it was a little unexplained, though. And, and maybe that's a good thing because it stretches it out a little bit more. We're going to see. But I felt like the idea that Sammy's just going to turn on Kevin, which is just kind of a repeat of Jericho and KO from the year before, is just a little too obvious, right? And the only thing we don't know now is, is this going to set up KO to be a babyface? Or is this is Sammy gonna end up the babyface, or are they are they playing us because they're really gonna end up being teaming up next week? It's gonna be that trick that, by the way, KO and Jericho did like two times during that great run they had last year. So I'm feeling customer fatigue, just like I'm feeling customer fatigue for not being excited about this match because I just saw Fatal Five Way on Tuesday, and I people can say, oh, it was a good match. I almost can't enjoy it because I know I'm getting it on Sunday. Okay, so that's part of it. Uh, Sammy was was wild and and good. It opens up the doors for something. I'm not overly excited about where it's going and I feel like the biggest hole in this story is what you mentioned about AJ should be more mad about how badly they're screwing him he talks about it but it should be and I feel like all that's doing is setting him up to win because he's AJ Styles and we need him in a you know, 1A, 1B main event at WrestleMania with the belt. So it seems like there's really no suspense here outside of how are they going to tell the Cena story can you do you actually believe, because there was no Shane McMahon, Daniel Bryan development either? How dare that? Is, is How it, dare is it that? possible that there is no finish to the Shane McMahon, Daniel Bryan storyline, and it was just a vehicle for this Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, AJ thing, and it was the worst vehicle of all time for it? Or if, they, if, if it was a potential vehicle for Daniel Bryan to come back and they got cold feet. There's, there's a couple of things you can say, but if it plays out the way you said it, that's, uh, that's awful. And I don't want to reopen that they word, haven't, but that's awful. They haven't developed it in a month. There's like, yeah, they had him getting angry over the U.S. title briefly. It doesn't make any sense. This match to me doesn't make any sense. I like the finish Tuesday night. I thought it was a nice little swerve, something unexpected. But I would have loved to have seen that in the middle of the main event. Zane goes to pin Owens, you know, you know, counter to what he promised him. 
Then Styles pushes him off, gets the pin, goes into WrestleMania, right? I, I just don't know what SmackDown's doing. They very well. Here, here's the thing. This card is not great, but it's also not terrible. We have Uso's New Day. This match could be very good, this main event. Ruby Riot is at least an experienced worker and could actually put on a really good match with Charlotte. And Nakamura Rusev can be a very good match. I think this is a sneaky pay-per-view. I don't think we're going to get any finish other than AJ retaining the title. Yeah, but, but you know what th- sneaky means? Sneaky means they've lowered the expectations so low, Adam, that anything is good. So let's let's at least identify what sneaky means in this sense. That, no, that's exactly what it means. I think we may come out of Sunday, though. This is the the crux of my argument here. Pleasantly surprised. I don't think that the road to WrestleMania is going to be any smoother. I think I think SmackDown has a lot of repairing to do on Tuesday and the subsequent Tuesdays leading into WrestleMania. But I think this may actually work out as pessimistic as pessimistic. Let me get that word right. As pessimistic as we are going into the show. Yeah, that's fine. And it, it, it's fair because, look, if it's a great match, we're going to be happy. If the Zayn KO thing is a little bit juicier and more creative than we think it'll be, it'll be happy. And if they tell the Cena exit or the way he loses it the right way, I think there's real potential there because they seem invested in this storyline. And by the way, for anyone who had believed the, the, the Cena taker rumors, I still don't know. You can read your dirt sheets. I still don't know. There was talk about Rey Mysterio, although he just hurt his arm at a uh, indie show in Waterbury, Connecticut last week. And Cena gave an interview yesterday with Justin Barrasso of SI. And I want to pull out one quote from here to see if you think he's working us. He says, what a great story would be for me to miss WrestleMania and have to buy a ticket. The year doesn't stop at WrestleMania. We do Raw the next night. So imagine if this stalwart, this statue of the WWE now has to look inside himself and ask, do I still have it after being left out of the biggest show of the year? Don't push this past Vince, he says. Vince is extremely smart. And the reason he is so successful is his ability to see beyond, you know, into two and three years, etc. Cena then referenced how busy he was with movies and all that. He could be totally playing into the storyline and working us. Is there any chance right now, Adam Silverstein, that Cena does not have a match at WrestleMania, and that's part of the larger storyline that they're going to tell? So I think there is a chance of that. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but I think it's a legitimate, plausible storyline. But he would not be buying a ticket at ringside. He would be hosting the show. Or or would they sell it so much that he would be buying a ticket and he'd be sitting in the front row and they'd have had a camera on him and they'd really be milking it and he'd be crying and he'd be upset and Nikki would have her armor on him. I mean, are, are we giving them too much credit that they could be going for the long-term play? And by the way, shout out to our CBS teammate, Robbie Snyder, who actually pitched this idea this morning before I even read this story. And I was like, the idea of Cena not even wrestling? Are you kidding me? And then I went, maybe there's some brilliance there. They don't need his name. They don't. They got Rousey. They got some other big things. They don't need him to sell uh, it. Uh, no, I think they still need his name. That's I think at a minimum he'd be hosting and like not happy to be host, but begrudgingly doing it. You have to have his name on the marquee. There's no way that John Cena, you can have a WrestleMania in New Orleans uh, and have John Cena healthy and available and able to do it and not be there. It doesn't mean he has to be in the ring, but he has to be there in some way. And then you can play the storyline of, well, I haven't had a singles match in two years, right? And I haven't won a major match, not counting AJ Styles, uh, for, which was not for a title, obviously in X amount of time. So I think there is a long-term storyline that you can build to. I think Cena obviously is going to win 17. I would guess at WrestleMania next year, I would hope. So this and is the, maybe this is the beginning to get there, which is exciting if yeah. they are willing to play the long-term, but if they're not, and the, if they're really scrambling for an opponent with him, what do you think of my idea that just came to me last night? And I said it to you, forget Taker, forget Mysterio, John Cena, Dolph Ziggler 
I'd pop for that because that would be one where you'd immediately lower your expectations to a degree on the importance of the match, and then maybe it gives Ziggler the room to be who we think he really can be. Potentially, if Ziggler went over. I mean, if if they decided to push Ziggler in that match, if John Cena is just going to squash someone else at WrestleMania, like, I don't need that. You know what I mean? Oh, so, no, he'd have to put over... Well, he. I don't think Dolph would have to win that match. I think if it's epic enough, Cena could still win, but... I wonder if you just put... He hits the AA, he kicks out, he hits the double, the super AA, he wins. Like, that, that, that's the way every John Cena match has gone the last, like, six months. So, I don't know. I, I, I'm down for the idea of him either not having a match and being the host, or having a match that's, quote-unquote, somewhat meaningless on the kickoff show, or, or the second match of the card, or the popcorn match, or something like that. But I don't think you can have a WrestleMania marquee right now and not have John Cena on it. All right, all right. You're, you're good point, good point. That'll wrap that up. Let's get into our DMs. Let's slide right in. As always, you know where to hit us up on Twitter, and don't forget to follow our show's Twitter account at In This Corner CBS for all your updates and needs. Uh, we hit us up with the first one here, Adam. For sure, and don't forget to tell your friends to follow that account and listen to the show as well. We're trying to grow the audience, and the way we can do that organically is with your help. So yeah, yeah. So one... so put you know put a sticker on a boomerang down under and throw that around, right? Let's let's get this word going, right? We got absolutely, a lot of fans there. absolutely. The first DM comes from Brian Napier at It's Napes. Uh, how can the revolution exist, BC, if you choose a WWE show, NXT TakeOver New Orleans he's referring to, over the hottest feud, Kenny versus Cody, with such layered storytelling with the best wrestler in the world? Wow, that's that's a legit comeback question from Napes right there because I'm the, the guy standing on the street corner with the revo- hashtag revolution sign, and we've teased what our WrestleMania plans might be, and you and I actually just sat down yesterday and actually finalized where we're going to be, what we're going to cover, what we're going to attend as a fan, and i got to tell it to you like this. Even including WrestleMania, and I don't think this is hyperbole because this is my thoughts, Kenny Cody is the match I want to see over the entire weekend, right? But specifically that ROH Supercard, even though I think it's going to be really good, is not the thing that excites me the most for the whole weekend. I want to see that match a lot. But right now, NXT is so damn red hot with these TakeOver shows. We know WrestleMania is going to be no different. Uh, All those storylines are starting to play out, and it looks really good. And when it comes down to things like what we're there to do for CBS Sports and cover and our traffic, TakeOver is a very big deal, and this is their Super Bowl. So, Adam, the reveal is I will not be there for Kenny Cody ROH Supercard. But as you and I finalized the plans, that doesn't mean we're not taking a drink from the Revolution Cup, and that doesn't mean we're not going to see Kenny in some form this weekend. That's true. We are going to be going on Thursday to the uh, WrestleCon Super Show uh, it's at some place called the Sugar Mill. I guess we'll find out what that ballroom looks like once we get there. Um, it's not a packed card right now. I think there's only three matches announced. I did happen to speak to their promoter. I don't think I'm speaking at a school here. They only have a couple tickets left. We got two of the last ones. They have surprises. They have six more matches coming on that card. It is going to be a big show. I'm excited that we're going to be there. We're not just going to see Kenny. We're going to see him tagged with Kota Ibushi, the Golden Lovers, which I think has an opportunity to be one of the few times we might actually see that as opposed to Kenny Cody, which in some form or fashion, if if this storyline continues, we might be able to see somewhat frequently and they may, who knows, they may even run it back at all in, in some way. And maybe BC will be there. If Kenny Cody won is fantastic as we think it could be, 
why not have three matches this year and really stretch out that storyline? Yeah, right. I'm excited about that Thursday show to see the Golden Lovers, to see a lot of the other names on that card, which some have been announced, some are teased for the future. And man, everybody listening to this podcast already knows how loaded that WrestleMania weekend is. And that's everybody's Super Bowl. Every promoter, every retired wrestler. There is so much to choose from when you actually look at the schedule. There's wrestling shows during the day, at night. There's late night, midnight shows. I mean, fired up, but we will be at that WrestleCon show we're fired up for Radio Row of WrestleMania. I'll be at the Hall of Fame red carpet. We got a lot of things we want to hit this weekend, including NXT. That's the decision. And I think in the long run, it's going to be the right one. As much as I love Kenny and the Revolution, I think this, this, uh, these takeover cards are special. These are like the Revolution inside WWE. Well, yeah, let's not act like the show's going to be nothing, right? It's going to be what? Almas Black, probably. Gargano Ciampa, probably. I'm not supposed to see those two matches. Are you kidding me? Like, I, so for BC, Kenny Cody's the match. For me, Gargano Ciampa's the match. That's the match of the weekend for me. It's going to be the number one I want to see. None of this is booked yet. But, I mean, let's be honest. We have a really good idea where NXT is going to go storyline-wise. One other thing I wanted to shout out before we move on. BC and I will also be making a special appearance at Mania Crawl. It's basically a free bar crawl. There's hundreds of fans that go. There's already 500 registered. It raises money for Connor's Cure. You can you can sign up for it for free again at maniacrawl.com at maniacrawl on Twitter. I think we're going 11 a.m. Uh, or 12 p.m. I think it's 11 a.m. local time. Um, the day of WrestleMania, we're going to be at Pat O'Brien's. We're going to be meeting fans, passing out cards, trying to spread some love of this performance enhancing audio. We hope you guys are there for it. Um, it's going to be a loaded weekend for us. We're staying Monday night for Raw. What we got like five days of pure wrestling, BC. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm fi fired up, fired up for it. All right, let's, let's right. run through these DMs. Absolutely. Number two comes from Adam X. Parsons at Adam By the X. way, Parsons. Adam X. Parsons is trying to become a regular on the show, I think. We, he ends up in these DMs more often than not, this guy. Well, to his credit, he is a great first name, and he also asks very good questions. Like, if you just say to us, guys, hey, what do you think of Roman Reigns? Like, thank you for participating. We appreciate it. We're going to talk about Roman on the show. We're not going to read that DM. We know we're going to talk about it. If you ask pointed, specific questions like Adam does, um, again, great first name. We will get you on the show. So he says a month until Mania BC and no real Raw tag team title match appears to be in the works. Do you think we're going to get an NXT call up like Authors of Pain or another Lazy Four Corners match as per usual this year, BC? And what's interesting, we were actually having this exact conversation in Slack. I'm going to follow up with a second DM. Just we'll put it all together. We'll have a larger discussion about it. This one comes from Eric at Ribsauce. The bar really has no one left to face he loves the good brothers but they're just not built up enough for mania the usos are in the same situation who is left do you think wwe might consider unifying the tag team titles with a head-to-head -head match between these two teams what do you think wow eric at rib sauce with a brilliant idea there and the fact that we're not going to have brand exclusive pay-per-views for the rest of 2018 that seems almost too brilliant and when something is almost too brilliant it means we probably won't see it in the WWE or we'll see it nine months too late. So back to Adam's question about the bar not really having anybody right now. That's true. And B, I think it's set up that way. I think we are 100% destined to see a multi-team tag team match. And the reason comes down to this. We love the bar. They are great workers, but they are workers. And they are B-side workers. Nice skirt, fella. And I love them, right? But they wear skirts and they're B-side workers. And they're not someone you're going to feature on an already loaded WrestleMania card where people are fighting for real estate. I don't like that it's going to be the same thing again. Last year's. By the way, last year's ladder match was fantastic. The Hardy reveal is one of the biggest moments in modern-day WrestleMania history. But I think we're heading right back there, Adam. I don't think we're getting Authors of Pain 
until as early as the the Raw after WrestleMania. I think that's more of a Raw reveal than it is leading up to this. By the way, let's also make a point. There were no NXT call-ups or major debuts after the Royal Rumble into WrestleMania this year. It's very rare that WWE does that. They have not done that in a very long time. It's for that reason, BC, that I think we have an opportunity to get a surprise in this match. I do think a Four Corners match is ridiculous. All those other teams on Raw throw them in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. Apollo, Titus, they all work in that Battle Royal, etc. I think it's one of two things. Either the authors of Pain come in, or if the was it the ultimate deletion they're calling it happens before WrestleMania, you could see the return of Jeff Hardy for a second WrestleMania in a row with the Hardy boys taking on the bar in the match. I think WWE learned a huge lesson at WrestleMania this year that or last year. I'm sorry. That Hardy boys surprise blew the roof off the joint. It would suck to have the exact same surprise two years in a row. But I think the bar goes into WrestleMania without an opponent. Kurt Angle promises them they'll have one and it'll be really good competition and they figure out someone to face them, whether it is AOP, whether it's the Hardys, whether it's someone uh, that, else that we're that not even thinking That makes more sense to, to set you up with that tease and then come back with the Hardys. Uh, I'd I buy that. And by the way, I love the idea of putting the titles together, but again, I don't think the bar is the team for that. If it was a unification match of the New Days against the Usos, I'd be a little bit more excited. The bar, unfortunately, out of anyone on the roster, has been overexposed because they're in 20-minute really good matches every single week. Right, that's nothing against the bar. They are awesome, but it's been the same match every week for a year and it's getting tiring. So we skipped, we're skipping over number three. We did those combined. Number four here comes from Aaron Rutherford at chef Aaron 26. And this is a really good question as well. Is hillbilly Jim hall of fame worthy to you? I don't see any championship reigns from the WWE on his resume. It was before my time watching WWE, but what did he do? That was so special. Uh, yeah. So this kind of goes into our conversation last week. Hillbilly Jim just got the call, which I think completes the Hall of Fame class. If their on-screen graphic is any indication, it won't be Bam Bam Bigelow like like Brad Shepard originally reported. Um, no, he's not Hall of Fame worthy, to be really honest with you. And his career in WWE was actually ultimately kind of short from 84 to 91. But here's the thing. He's an original OG from Vince's national launch to take WWF and make it a national promotion. And that began, of course, in 84. And we all remember 84, right? 1984, brother. When you were still pooping in your diapers, dude. And, of course, into 85 with the launch of WrestleMania 1. And he's so OG as an iconic character that if you go back and you know the old LJN wrestling superstars action figures, which, by the way, at the end of third grade, I think I had the entire first three series, which was a moment in time Christmas morning where I felt on top of the world that the entire first, second, and third series, it was like a victory as a child toy collector that never was equaled again. But if you look at that first run that came out in late 84, Andre the Giant, Big John Studd, Hulk Hogan, Iron Sheik, Jimmy Snuka, Junkyard Dog, Nikolai Volkov, Roddy Piper, and Hillbilly Jim. Of course he was going to eventually get in, but if we had real criteria, there's no way this guy could get in. And it's not that he was, you know, he wasn't really that good in the ring. He was just big and strong. And the real point is he was never remotely in a title feud. Like the most memorable times I've had with him was when he had that hillbilly stable with him, Uncle Elmer and Cousin Luke in the famous Saturday Night's main event episode where it was Cousin Elmer's wedding and Roddy Piper and Ventura sabotaged it and threw cake at him. Like that's, you know, outside of the match with the midgets at WrestleMania three, that's your biggest hillbilly gym memory. Like, come on. What's really funny about that audio clip from Hogan is I literally was pooping in my diapers in 1984. So I always laugh when I hear that. Um, he, he's not a Hall of Famer in terms of accomplishments. He's a Hall of Famer in terms of 
legitimate name value. And I don't think that's enough criteria to be in, BC. And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I really think there should be a separate wing for like legends versus Hall of Famers, right? And guys that are legends that have really good name value, Rikishi, some of these guys, the Godfather, you put them in eventually. Well, for Hillbilly Jim, it's 30 years plus. This is eventually for him. That's so a good point. I'm okay with him being in at this juncture. But like Rikishi, Rikishi as an example, should have been inducted 15 years from now, 10 years from now, not five years ago when he was inducted. So that is the differentiation for me. Also, let's not forget, Hillbilly Jim, this guy tagged with Andre the Giant. He fought Hulk Hogan. He was in some, not big feuds, but big moments with big wrestlers. Like Rikishi danced in the ring and like he had the stink face and so on. So there, there's a really big difference uh, in terms of having accolades like titles. And yeah, I mean, his character had a lot of value, otherwise. but his character also plays in the fact that Vince McMahon, I don't know if it was his upbringing in a North Carolina trailer park, but like he loves hillbillies, man. You know, whether it's like Uncle Elmer or the Godwins, like this guy loves hillbillies and Adam. <laughs> Oh, bonus DM slide from Bob Backlund at TalkBox. Who is the big, who is the bigger hillbilly to enter the WWE Hall of Fame this year? Jeff Jarrett, Bubba Ray, or Hillbilly Jim? Whoa, low blow from our guy TalkBox right here, Adam. Come on. Well, I mean, not Bubba Ray, right? Isn't he from the, the original East? Bubba Ray? The ECW was a hillbilly. He was like, oh, okay. It was actually spelled Bubba Ray. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Um, I mean, the answer is Hillbilly Jim, I guess, based on character. Jeff Jarrett, based on probably real life. Uh, Bubba, for me, just... The Godwins, by the way, is the real answer. I know it's not the on the Godwins, right oh now. my God. Come on, those are um, the biggest hillbillies. For sure. But look, I mean, to put a bow on this, right? Good for him. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, good for him. Iconic character, but uh, if there was real criteria, no. He wouldn't get in until he's like 85 and you'd be giving him the golden handshake. Thanks for your service. That's it. But like you said, maybe this is a an early golden handshake. All right, whatever. Who cares? Let's get out of here. Let's go. Right. Let's, let's not act like Vince didn't employ this guy also for like 10 more years after giving him, you know, roles. He, I think he did like some WrestleMania access tours. He did a bunch of stuff with WWE. He was, it's not like he was just cast aside or anything like that. Yeah. He was in that gimmick battle Royal at 17. He was in legends house a couple years ago. All right, Adam, that'll wrap up the DM segment this week. Shout out to everybody for sliding in and letting your voice be heard. Uh, running low on time, loaded show this week. Why don't we kick punt the field spots as a little bit of bonus audio this week to the ITC listeners. Yeah, you know, that's that's a good idea. We have been doing some bonus audio on at In This Corner CBS on Twitter recently, the last two weeks. Not just the wrestling show, by the way, the boxing and UFC shows, kind of like Twitter exclusive clips. So, yeah, let's record. We'll finish off this show. We'll record our field spots, and we're going to throw that up for you on Twitter only, a Twitter exclusive. Follow us at In This Corner CBS, and you will get those takes from BC and I. Absolutely. And for the ghost of Nick Costos and the Silver King himself, you know how we like to exit this show. Goodbye. Good night. Oh, yeah. We out.